0: Amen. You may be seated. And that's the blessing I have this morning, as usual, is to tell that old, old story of uh, Jesus and His love from His Word. Let's turn to that end, to Mark chapter 6, as we continue our study through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to be looking this morning at verses 30 through 44, a familiar passage of Scripture, and as we... Look at familiar texts. We want to move beyond their familiarity and learn new truths and lessons that God has for us in them. It's the story of the feeding of the five thousand. us begin with verse thirty and read through verse forty-four. And as I read, remember this is the Word of God. The apostles gather The apostles gathered together with Jesus. And they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not have even time to eat. They went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them when jesus went ashore he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things when it was already quite late his disciples came to him and said this place is desolate and it is already quite late Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five. And two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to his disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. I thank you so much for the richness of your word, and we thank you so much for what He shows us of Jesus. He sang earlier the great hymn, All for Jesus, All for Jesus. And now we pray that our passage this morning might help us to focus our attention more fully upon him, that Jesus would be all to us. As we come to learn more of him today, we would be able to depend upon him even more and more every moment of every day. We pray for grace to that end. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the story we just read is one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible. Not only is it one of the most familiar, it's also one of the most important. The story that we read of Jesus feeding the 5,000 as we commonly know it is the only miracle Jesus performed that is recorded In each of the four Gospels, it's the only miracle recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, why is it so important? One reason is because it was done so publicly. You know, this was not just a miracle performed in the sight of people, but it was a miracle that impacted many people. It wasn't that people just saw Jesus do something for someone else. But they experienced Jesus doing something for them. But another reason it's so important is because this miracle shows us something clear about the deity of Christ. You know, the magnitude of this miracle really is somewhat astounding. Now, I know that casting out a demon and healing a crippled man and raising a young girl from the dead are astounding miracles. But there was just something about this miracle, about the feeding of the 5,000 that displayed the glory of Christ. Not only that, it also helps to answer the question, and it's the question I've given the title of my sermon. That is, who is this Jesus? Now, that really is the context for uh, This miracle. Uh, We saw it last uh, Lord's Day when we looked at the previous passage and primarily looking at Herod. You might remember back in verse 14, uh, it says his name, that is Jesus' name, had become well known. The people were saying, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. And that's why these miraculous powers are working him. But others were saying he's Elijah. Others were saying he's a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. You see, they were trying to figure it out. They were trying to figure him out. They just couldn't understand how Jesus, this carpenter from Nazareth, this son of Mary and Joseph, could be doing such astounding miracles. And they were trying to understand and figure out who it might be. And they had all these different ideas. They were struggling with the question, who is this Jesus? Jesus. that's the most important question of life, isn't it? Who is this Jesus? Because your answer to that question will determine your eternal destiny. You know, again, Jesus himself said in John uh, chapter 14, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man or woman Or boy or girl, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's how important it is that we get the answer to that question right. Just who is this Jesus? And I believe this passage helps us answer that question because we see some of the characteristics and traits of Jesus clearly displayed in the performance of this miracle. Really, just a couple of things I want to point out about Jesus from this passage. And one is that Jesus is the one who is full of compassion. Who is this Jesus? He is one who is full of compassion. Perhaps of all the wonderful traits that we see in Jesus, his compassion stands out above them all. You know, the one aspect of the heart of Jesus that drove him in his ministry was his compassion for people. You know, sometimes when you read through the Gospels, I know sometimes when I read through the Gospels, I see all that Jesus experienced. And I see his hectic schedule, how he went from here to there. How he had these large crowds following him and the press of the crowds upon him. How he had the pressure both from those who supported him and those who opposed him. And how he was weary and uh, had no place really to rest. And he had the onslaught of the crowds against, upon him and, and the Pharisees against him. And you wonder how in the world was Jesus able to continue as he did ministering and serving in the loving way that he did. And I know part of it, a big part of it was Jesus' determination to do all that his father gave him to do, to carry out his father's will, every bit of it. But a big part of it was Jesus' compassion. Jesus' compassion for people. In particular, Jesus' compassion for the lost. And we see that compassion in this passage clearly. We see it in two ways. First of all, we see his compassion toward The apostles, the 12, the 12 that he had sent out recently on a missionary journey, if you will, sent them out two by two in pairs to expand his ministry, to minister to more people in more places. There was probably a lapse of uh, several months between that time. And that's a passage earlier in this chapter that Mason preached on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, probably about two or three months we're not exactly sure period of time while they were out doing what Jesus said ministering and now they've come back to Jesus to report to him on how it had gone and we see in verse 30 it says the apostles are gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all they'd done and taught what's going on here well one thing They're holding themselves accountable. Jesus had sent them out, and now they're coming back to tell Jesus what they had done. It's a time of accountability. It also is a time of rejoicing and reporting on what God had done through them and the way God had used them. I'm sure it was also a time of recounting some frustrations, some disappointments, some heartaches. Some difficulties they experienced while they were out doing what Jesus had sent them to do. Well, here's where we see Jesus' compassion. He looked at the 12 and he realized they were exhausted, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And Jesus knew that they need, knew they needed some rest. And so instead of sending them back out to do more, he said, let's, let's have a retreat. Let's get off by ourselves. He said in verse 31, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. And so they got in a boat and they went back across the Sea of Galilee to this secluded place. Here we see Jesus' compassion for the twelve. Come on, you're tired, you're weary. Let's get let's get alone by ourselves so you can rest. But we also see Jesus' compassion toward the multitudes here as well. You know, there's always this press of the crowds around Jesus. And, and Jesus had a real problem. That is, they just couldn't get away, even in, you know, the reason they tried to get away in verse 31 it says there were many people coming and going they didn't even have any time to eat and so they get in the boat they go to the other side but jesus was too well known jesus were too people were too enamored with jesus to let him and the 12 get away and so they knew where they had left and sea of galilee's not that big and the text says that the people went on foot while Jesus and the disciples went by boat. Now there's some discrepancy between Matthew and Luke's account and Mark's account as to whether Jesus and the disciples got to the other side first or the crowd got there first. Mark says the crowd got there first, it was waiting on Jesus and the twelve. Now, just put yourself in Jesus' shoes for just a moment. Here you've been laboring earnestly, working hard. You sent your disciples out, your apostles out to do ministry and to work. You're all weary. You know it. You need rest. You know it. And so you've tried to accomplish that tried to find some respite some secluded place to get alone by yourself and you get there and you look and the very people you're trying to get away from for a few days are standing there waiting on you how would you respond be honest how would you respond want me to be honest honest I'd be just a little bit irritated. I'd be a lot frustrated. But not Jesus. Oh, he may have been a little irritated, but he didn't show it. The text tells us in verse 34, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd. <laughs> didn't you just feel his heart sink? When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. Many times, Jesus' actions in his ministry clearly are motivated by his compassion. Jesus saw a leper and the Bible says he was moved with compassion to do the unthinkable. That is to reach out and touch this leper. Here Jesus sees this crowd. This crowd that has kept them, prevented them from experiencing the rest and the respite that they were seeking. And instead of being irritated at them, Jesus feels compassion for them. And he goes on to say what? Still in verse 34, it says... He felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. You know, the motif of sheep and shepherd in the Bible is so important. And it's it's not without purpose. We're a lot like sheep. Sheep are dependent animals they can't take care of themselves they need to be provided for they need to be protected they need someone to guide them to lead them to feed them and jesus looks at this crowd of people and he's moved the compassion because of the way he sees them he sees them sheep without a shepherd he sees them wandering aimlessly he sees them trying to find some meaning some purpose in life he sees them as somewhat desperate because they, they don't really understand who they are or why they're here. So Jesus, we're told in the text, is moved with compassion for them. All the way through the Bible, there's this shepherd and sheep motif. The Lord is my what? He is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside the still waters. He guides me in the green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What did Jesus say? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my own. My own know me. They hear my voice. And they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one shall ever snatch them out of my hand. So here's Jesus seeing this crowd that has prevented them from having the rest they sought, and he is moved with compassion because he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, and what does he do? He begins to shepherd them. End of verse 34, he began to teach them many things. Luke says he also continued to heal their sick. Well, Jesus showed his compassion both to the twelve and to the multitude, to the crowd. Jesus, who is this Jesus? He is the one who is full of compassion. But also, secondly, Jesus is the one who has all power. Now, many times, don't we kind of see those two things, compassion and power, as mutually exclusive? Powerful people are not usually considered to be compassionate people. Powerful people many times are considered to be ruthless people. But Jesus is one who marvelously blended those two traits. He was a man full of power, but who tempered that power with amazing compassion. And we see that in the way that he dealt with the crowd during this particular day. The, the the disciples as Jesus taught that day in this secluded place, if they'd had watches they would have been like me many, many times looking at their watch. I'm a bad watch 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 watcher, watch looker. They weren't looking at their watches, they were looking at the sky. They were looking at the sun. Drop farther and farther down in the western sky. And they began to look around themselves at this desolate place three times, three times in this text this place to which they went is called desolate or deserted. And they realized the day was getting late. And they had all these people here. And they needed supper. They needed something to eat. And so their their solution was for Jesus to quit preaching and send them home. We see it in verse 35, when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. They're in the middle of nowhere. There aren't any McDonald's or Wendy's or Subways down the street. There's no place to get anything to eat. And so the the solution for the 12 was, Jesus, it's been a great day. (laughs) You've preached a great sermon, but it's time for it to stop. Send these people home. They can get something to eat. Well, Jesus' response is very interesting, isn't it? For He tells them in uh, verse uh, 37, why don't you give them something to eat? If they need something to eat, why don't you give them something to eat? And and, and the, the disciples suddenly are scratching their head. What in the world? You want us to go spend 200 denarii to buy food for all these people? Now, a denarius was the equivalent of one day's wage. This is a large amount of money. This is the pay for 200 days of work couple of things here. One is, well, three things. One is, they didn't have that kind of money. Second is, there wasn't any place to buy any bread. And the third is, even if there had been a place, the 12 would never be able to carry enough bread to feed 5,000 people. What has Jesus done? Jesus has told them to do something they could not do. Jesus has given them a task that he knew was impossible. Jesus had brought them to the place where there was nothing they could do to accomplish what he had given them to do. You know, many times God brings us to that place, doesn't he? He puts us in a place where we're simply hemmed in where we can't fix it. We can't change it. It's beyond our ability. It's beyond our capacity. We just can't do it. Why does God do that? Why did God 12, tell the 12, oh, I have an idea. Why don't you feed these 5,000 people? It's so they could see they could not do it. And to see all they could do was depend on him. And so Jesus told them in verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And so they went and they scoured around and they found one little boy who had one little sack of lunch, apparently, had five loaves of bread and two fish. And they came back to Jesus, well, this is what we got. We've got five pieces of bread. We've got two pieces of fish. But that is nothing to feed these people, this multitude, this crowd. Well, you know what Jesus did? He said, well, give me, the, give me the sack of lunch. And he did. And he said, okay, now y'all get, go around the crowd and you, you tell them to sit down, put them in groups. They put them in groups of fifties. They put them in groups of hundreds. Now, we call it the feeding of the five thousand. Folks, there were five thousand men. If, if on average, each man had one person with him, that's ten thousand. If on average, the men had two people with them—a wife and a child—that's fifteen thousand. We're talking about a lot of people. And here on the hillside, these people are gathered in their. Settled in their hundreds or their fifties. And Jesus takes the boy's sack lunch and he prays. The text says that he actually blessed it. Verse 41 He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. He prayed over it. And then it's very interesting. Where it says, And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. The disciples kept coming to Jesus and he kept giving them food. They kept coming back for more, and he kept giving them food. And they kept giving them for more and he kept he kept giving them food. And he divided up among them all. And we're told in the text, verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. And if that's not enough, they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesians 3. God is able to do abundantly more than we ever dared ask for or think. This is an amazing miracle. These thousands of people have been fed. They were all satisfied. Might be the first all you can eat buffet of bread and fish. They had all they wanted. And there was food scattered everywhere. Twelve baskets full were picked up after they had all eaten. What a powerful display. Jesus put on the power of God, the power of Jesus. We rely on the power of God every day, don't we? Sometimes we think we're so self-sufficient that we can make it on our own, folks. We can't. Realize even even the breath that you breathe, the air that you breathe is a gift of God. He gives it. Without it, you would not survive. And so God's a powerful God. He, he gives us everything that we need to live. And he did the same thing here for these people. And the people were amazed. They were really amazed. But you don't get the full effect from what Mark tells us. You get the full effect. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 6. This is John's account of this great miracle. John gives us more of the after thought. Let's begin in verse 11. John six. Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also with the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which had been performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Then verse 15, so Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force and make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Here Jesus performed this great miracle to show his mighty power and the people missed the point. You know, this is one time when the people thought Jesus did meet their expectations what they were looking for. They were looking at a physical king who would meet their physical needs. What better to have a king who could turn a little boy's sack lunch into enough to feed thousands of people. And so they were intending to come by force and take Jesus and make him their physical king. They saw the sign, but they missed that to which the sign pointed. What was this miracle pointing to? It was the fact that Jesus himself is the bread of life. And we cannot survive in any capacity without him look with me at verse 26 where Jesus said to them truly truly I say to you you seek me not because you saw signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled and then Jesus went to this in this great narrative about himself being the bread of life and how he came to minister not so much to the physical needs that people had but to the spiritual needs And he ended up by saying, if you're going to be my people, you must eat my body and you must drink my blood. And the people were so disillusioned. So disillusioned by what Jesus said. We find in verse 66. As a result of this, Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Who is this Jesus? He is a compassionate Savior, one who is full of compassion to people like us who have all kinds of needs. He's a powerful Savior. He is a Savior who can meet every need that you have. And more than that, He is the Savior. He is the bread of life. He is the one who can feed your hungry soul and quench your thirsty spirit. That's what the people misunderstood. They were not looking for someone to meet their real needs. They were looking for someone to meet their felt needs. Jesus came to minister to your deepest need. And that's your need for salvation. You see, he put the disciples in a helpless and hopeless situation. He said, you feed these people. And they said, we can't do that. We don't, we're not, we can't do it. And Jesus said, that's right, you can't. You've got to depend upon me. Watch me. And he did this marvelous miracle. Folks, that's where we all are. Apart from Christ, we are helpless. We're hopeless. And all we can do is look to him and draw our our hope and our strength from him alone. You see, our hope is in the compassion of Jesus and the power of Jesus. It's in his compassion for us and not for what we can do for ourselves, but what Jesus does for us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for our Savior, this Jesus, who is compassionate and powerful, who sees us in our need and meets it according to his sovereign power. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.